from the first conversation I had um, back to this arena uh, that day, I heard the ovation, I heard the love, and I appreciated it then. And I'm more than appreciated now, man. So I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here as the most thankful person in this state. This is, uh, this is a high bar you're setting. Uh, but uh, as you guys might expect, uh, this is my last home game. Uh, uh, yeah. So you're, uh, two of your NBA legends retiring last night, going out their home games, and the crowd going crazy for Dwayne Wade of the Miami Heat. And Dirk Nowitzki of the Dallas Mavericks. Played D-Wade and the big crowd. Well, the big crowd was awesome. Oh, yeah. One of the all-time greats, no doubt about it. Sixth all-time. In what? Uh, scoring. Large crowdedness? Large German. Oh. No, he was fourth in that. Sixth all-time large German. <laughs> Behind, of course, Wilhelm the Robust. And also Went from 1890 Bism- to 19. Bismarck was a lot bigger than people realize. So. Um, Is that right? Anyway. It's interesting, you watch these guys that, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the sport, you've been watching it seems like forever, and they're they're considered the old men of the game. Dwayne Wade retired, he's 37. Oh, boy. <laughs> 37 he's, years he's old. Mayor Pedo. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly, he's a child right. if he's running for president. He's the old man of sports. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, both those two also fantastic in their communities and uh, charitable stuff. They they Nice guys, yeah, well-liked. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth uh, tipping your cap to that, by all means. Uh, what? Uh, oh, Lon La- La- Chen coming up from the Hoover Institution. We really like talking to Lon about politics. I suppose we got to ask him about this big revelation. Yeah, yeah, Lon He's super smart, just uh, tells you what is. He's not a, a partisan spinmeister, so we always enjoy talking to him. The big revelation, the breaking news is, Attorney General Barr has just said in front of Congress there was spying on the Trump campaign going on. Whether or not it was justified or not, he's going to look into. But there was spying going on. Right, clearly. So, there you go. And yeah. I remember when somebody used the term spy, us and other people. Oh, spying! What are you talking about spying? Okay, well, the Attorney General just said it was spying. Yeah, they mocked Trump Trump's for that very... Trump's uh, Attorney General. I think just, if you yeah, listen well, to somebody... That's good. That was good, though, yeah. Sean. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you, that's I, what I, he's supposed to do. <laughs> I thought at the time, and I think now... Oh, they—they they are making the distinction. I think Comey and others, and McCabe and others. No, it's observation or investigation. Right. Or it's not it spying. spying. It's Dang investigation. It. If you listen to my phone calls, I think you're spying them by watching everything they do. But it wasn't spying. Anywho, speaking of partisanship, Jack, troubling, troubling on the Hill yesterday. Steve Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, was dragged in front of the Banking uh, and Finance Committee run by old Maxine Waters. Ooh, boy. Uh, and, and, what kind of commentary is that? Uh, Ooh, boy. Tell you what, she's a long day. Ooh, <laughs> man. She's like late August and you got up at 4 a.m. a long day. Anyway, the, the, it got a little rocky between the two of them. Can we hear that? Sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. I've told you I'll come back. I, I just don't believe we're sitting here negotiating when I come back. We'll follow up with your office. How long would you like me to come back for next time? I've told you I'll accommodate you. I appreciate that, and I appreciate your uh, reminding us of the length of time other uh, secretaries have been here. This is a new way, and it's a new day, and it's a new chair, and I have the gavel at this point. If you wish to leave, you may. Uh, Can you clarify that for me? Yes, clarify. If you wish to leave, you may. I understood it. You were dismissed. Is that correct? If you wish to leave, you may leave. 
I don't understand what you're saying. You're wasting your time. Don't re remember, you have a, a foreign dignitary in your office. I would just say that the previous administration, when the Republicans, they did not treat the Secretary of the Treasury this way. So if this is the way you want to treat me, then I'll rethink whether I voluntarily come Ooh. back here to testify, which I've offered to do. If you'd wish to keep me here so that I don't have my important meeting, and continue to grill me, then we can do that. I will cancel my meeting and I will not be back here. I will be very clear. That's the way you'd like to have this relationship. Thank you. The gentleman, the secretary, has agreed to stay to hear all of the rest of the members. Okay, Please so just cancel let's your meeting to the press. and respect our time. I, I am Who is next on the list? My foreign meeting. You're, you're instructing me to stay here and I should cancel. No, you just meeting. made me an offer. No, I didn't make you an you offer. You made me an oh, offer geez. that I accepted. I, I did not oh, make well, you an offer. Just let's be clear. Well, you're you, instructing me. You are ordering me to stay here. No, I'm not ordering you. I'm responding. Okay. I said you may leave any time you want. And you said, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'll cancel my appointment and I'll stay here. So I'm responding to your request. If that's what you want that's to do. not what I want to do. I told you. What would you like to do? What I've told you is I thought it was respectful that you'd let me leave at 515. You are free to leave any time you want. You may okay, go well uh, any time you want. Please. Please dismiss everybody. I believe you're supposed to take the gravel and, and bang it. That's Please do not instruct the me gravel. as to how I am to conduct this committee. <laughs> he meant gavel. Oh, I'm telling you. Please don't instruct me as how I'm supposed to handle this committee. Oh, that's some good grown-up stuff there all this the way is, around. This is not a way to run a country. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's let's have some adults. Has anybody in the ever room. been in an argument like that? That those kind of arguments happen when you've got a breakdown on a much bigger level, right? Right. There are, there are much bigger underlying issues. Is how you end up in those kind of arguments. How like a couple that's in the middle of a divorce did that sound? That discussing ugly. something incredibly mundane. That was ugly. That was just ugly all the way around. We need to uh, get more cereal. Well, if you're telling me to go to the grocery store, I suppose I will. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm Is there anything else that I don't do that you don't like? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're done here. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution. Institution. What's gravel. Gravel. <laughs> Got the Gravel Institute. We like Lon He. He's next. To talk politics on the Armstrong and Getty Show. You've got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? I'm Sean and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty, extra large, featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So the breaking news, Marshall will have uh, more in his news in about 15 minutes, is that uh, Attorney General Barr told a panel in a congressional hearing today that, yeah, the Trump was spied upon. I'm going to look Trump into campaign. Trump yeah. campaign was spied upon. I'm going to look into whether or not they had legitimate reasons to do that. But it, it did happen. 
Boy, a lot to talk about today with Lon He J. Chen, the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He is also a David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of the Domestic Policy Studies and Lecturer in the Public Policy Program at Stanford University. Lon He, how are you, sir? Good morning, fellas. Doing well. It's our honor. Thanks for coming on. Always. So I know Bernie Sanders is introducing his Medicare for All bill in the Senate again today, and there's an interesting story in the New York Times about how he's done this in the past. But back in the past, he was just kind of a fringe candidate out there to the way left of the Democratic Party and the kind of a fun old communist just hung around. But now he is, you know, he's more the center of the party, or certainly the center of the attention, and he's introducing this. And and we have um, a couple of healthcare professionals we talk to on the show regularly who, who believe that we're going to be to single-payer health care within 10 years one way or another. That's just the direction we're going. And my question would be, is there a party that can represent small government, more uh, self-reliance, all that sort of stuff? Does that party exist, or can you even sell that message to people anymore? Well, boy, those are really good questions. First of all, I think the, the challenge with Sanders' Medicare for All proposal is that Sanders is basically the front runner amongst the declared Democratic candidates right now. I mean, sure. before Joe Biden formally gets in. So we have to take it seriously. And and the reality is that much of the uh, discussion in the Democratic Party has shifted to the progressive left, and the Medicare for All proposal is the, is the one that I think if you ask the majority of those who are running for president what kind of proposal they support, this would be the one. In terms of your question about whether there is an alternative or whether there is someone out there speaking out for, for small government, smaller government uh, health care interventions, you know, that is the right policy answer in my mind. The problem is that this political fight was lost when Obamacare was passed. And I, I think, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. We've had this discussion in our country about how to help people who have pre-existing health care conditions. The reality is even before Obamacare, the vast majority of those folks were already covered or were already um, protected under large employer plans. Now we're talking about a relatively small number, maybe between three and four million, who needed the protections provided by Obamacare. But now that has become such an enshrined part of our dialogue about health care that I don't think there's any going back on it. And, and not only is there no going back on it, because I think there are other ways to help people who have pre-existing conditions aside from what Obamacare did. My point is simply because we've gotten used to the big government way in Obama, the, the way that Obamacare handled it, the, the big government way Obamacare handled it. That we're, we're kind of stuck with it at this point. So you, you know what it, I it take is, from that, though? Because I'm kind of interested in the politics just in general rather than, you know, a specific health care discussion, even though those are always interesting and important. But to me, the lesson would be if you've ever got the votes to get something through you want, do it. Whatever whatever deal you got to make, you get it through. Because it could end up being the law of the land. You could change America. Even if it's not going to function properly, it's going to be a fiscal disaster. Just get it. Even if you've got to do right. some underhanded things and people don't know what they're voting for, you make a special deal with what's-his-name in Nebraska, whatever you do to get <laughs> right. the votes, you might as well do it if you can. Yeah, well, and, and this is the thing. Uh, you know, you guys are, are really good about, you know, talking about and raising the issue of what does our fiscal future look like. And this is what this all comes back to. I mean, in California, perfect example, in California, there are 21 pieces of health legislation to somehow expand or, or quote, improve upon coverage, which, look, you know, we all want a better health care system. I get that. But is anyone considering what the cost of that is going to be? And I'll tell you exactly what it is. 
at some point we're going to do this, whether it's in healthcare or in you know benefits or, or any, anywhere else. You're, you're going to pass a bunch of stuff because it sounds great. And then 10 years from now when the bill comes due, you're going to say, uh-oh, we don't have the money to pay for it. Then what are you going to do? You're going to leave people out in the cold because they've come to expect and, de- and depend on a program. Or you're going to have to make changes to things that people really like. Or you're going to have to continue to increase taxes. And by the way, there's some point at which you can continue increasing taxes. There's not enough money out there. So this is the challenge we face going forward. Right. Earlier today, I was indulging my little fantasy of having a, a flat or fair tax system in the United States just because we uh, there was a New York Times piece Jack read to us in which they said uh, in the current system, the people pay for health care and in this other system, the government would pay for it, which is hilarious. Oh. That's in the New York Times. Right. Ignoring the obvious problem in case folks are still sleepy headed that the government is the people. We are the government. That's our tax. <laughs> That's where the money came from. So instead of me giving the doctor, I give it to the government. Okay. Yeah, so if we've lost that sense, uh, Lonnie, I'm afraid you're absolutely correct, and I think the only way to get it back would be to have everybody paying uh, income tax. But anyway, uh, I have these fantasies occasionally, and I get over them. Lon He Chen is on the line. He's the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Uh, any further thoughts on healthcare policy and where it's likely to go in the next year, or you want to move on to other fare? Well, no, I mean, look, I, I think it's going to be a really big issue because the Democrats like to talk about it. And, and the president, you may recall, said as recently as last week, he thinks the Republican Party should be the party of health care, which I'm all for that, by the way. I, I, I mean, I think if the Republican Party could actually have a sincere discussion about the future of what health care looks like, I'm all for it. And I think the president was right to jumpstart the discussion. But health care is just one of the avenues through which I think people see the two parties. And one of the things that is that is interesting to me, I mean, just to transition a little bit out of health care, is how people um, have come over time to view the Democratic Party as the more empathetic of the two parties, that, that somehow it's the more caring of the two parties. When you look at the history of progressive policy, what you realize is increasing dependence on government and increasing dependence on someone else aside from yourself is about the least compassionate and least empathetic, empathetic thing we can do. Agreed. Uh, and it's just fascinating to me how the politics have become this way, given where we are right now. I was watching you with Stephanopoulos on uh, Sunday on uh, whatever that show is called. You're, you're the yeah, class. You're, you're you're the class of the panel, as you always are on those shows, in my opinion. And a lot of numb nuts on there. You know, you don't need to comment on that. But that just I, I, the conversations we have, and these are the smart shows. These are supposed to be the smart shows for like the really well informed people that are into it, and they're still dumb. Yeah, it's been crazy. Mean, you know, I, well, first, uh, first of all, I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you guys. But I, I I feel like the problem we have now is that. Uh, we we're in a soundbite society, you know. Yep. And, and if you think about if you think about the way that we ought to talk about some of these issues, it's not in soundbites. And and you end up with with people just saying stuff that's just outrageous. And even on even on the shows that are that are designed to have a more civil discourse and one that sort of tries to bring out these issues a little bit, it's tough. It's really tough yeah. to get there. Yeah, I see that. Well, let's get back to that theme then of it is not generous to make people dependent and to make them the wards of the state and or the few that pay taxes. How do you flip that coin and promote the other side as more attractive uh, as opposed to uh, the government being a combination of mommy and Santa Claus? Well, I I think it starts with, with real stories from real people. I mean, I have heard so many stories, 
and, and there's folks out there that are just doing a great job of highlighting these stories of situations where people have been dependent on government and they felt that was their only way out. And they've realized at some point that that's really a dead end. And they have tried to do what they can to avail themselves of opportunities to I'm not talking about a college degree. I'm just talking about going back to school to get some skills they need to get jobs in this economy. Uh, and, and, and from that, they've managed to improve and to rise. And those real stories, that's one thing I think, by the way, that conservatives and people who are right of center tend not to do all that well, which is which is tell real stories of real people and how they're affected by policies. You know, we're very good at walking out. We're very good at talking about the theoretical reasons why dependence on government is bad. But fundamentally, if you go and you look at people who have who have stories to tell, about how they've managed to escape the poverty trap, the trap of more benefits and relying entirely on benefits to to improve your livelihood. There's some really compelling stories out That's there. That's a good Paul idea. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And, and brilliantly said, and forgive us for interrupting you there, Lon Hebel, no. we're getting the signal that we've got like 50 uh, seconds left. And so why don't we leave it there and, and, and let's keep talking uh, about that theme as the days go That's by. That's the first good idea I've heard in a long time. Do more of the... Here's a here's I a, spout good ideas every day. You ought to listen. Here's a, a woman in Texas, and this is what she did with conservative principles right. to make her life right. better. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, it's not a safety net. It's a spider web. You get trapped. Uh, Lon He Chen, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen from the Hoover Institution and Stanford University. Lon He, it's always stimulating. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Smart guy. He is really a smart guy, and he's an honest guy. Yeah. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, I've got a lot more on Attorney General Bill Barr's testimony telling a Senate committee the FBI spied on the Trump campaign. Yeah, that's, this could be this could be a big, big story. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Getting some mean texts today. Getting some nice texts too, but a lot of mean texts. Who's the meanest directed at so, us? Social, yeah. Social oh. media is just so mean. It's it's toxic. It really is. It's poisonous. Um, I don't know. I've had enough. I think. Maybe we'll talk about that during the award-winning One More Thing podcast. I was just so you can download it iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, or wherever podcasts are given away for free because we're stupid. I was just thinking about if I've ever sent a mean email or a text or tweet or whatever at a company, a business of some sort. I've never at an entertainment venue. I've never been unhappy enough with somebody's music or TV show or whatever that I that I've fired off a missive. Right. But um, no, you just turn it off. I've been unhappy with companies or whatever, and even then, and I've been pretty mad before. It's always about like uh, what happened. The transaction didn't go the way. I never assign motives to the people involved. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, you're a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. I got home. This vacuum cleaner didn't work. You you hate your customers. You you you're stealing. You're a bad person. It is a specific kind of person that seems to be more and more common that walks through life internalizing everything that happens around them as some sort of personal commentary on them as an individual. Yeah, things don't happen. They happen to you. Yeah, right. Which is interesting. Yeah. Nah. I'm learning to ignore it. <laughs> uh, news, news now. With Angry them. little people. Please. News now with Marshall Phillips. Looking into motives, Attorney General Bill Barr saying today the FBI spied on President Trump's campaign after being asked during a Senate hearing. You're not suggesting, though, that 
spying occurred. I don't, uh, well, uh, I guess you could, I, I think there was a spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. Well, let me... But uh, the question is whether it was predicated, adequately predicated. And I'm not suggesting it wasn't adequately predicated, but I'd need to explore that. Now, well, Bart, right, and, and listen, can an adult step in, please? Perhaps instead of spying, you would prefer the term surveillance. There was unquestionably surveillance. That's out in the open. Everybody knows it. So should we call it spying or not? I don't know. But what I'm going to try to figure out is whether the surveillance was justified. Bar and going on, bar rather going on to add. Uh, frankly, um, um, uh, yeah, to the extent there were there were any issues at the FBI, I do not view it as a uh, a problem that's endemic to the FBI. Uh, I think there was probably a failure among uh, a group of leaders. Oh, interesting. He's married to Roseanne Barr. Am I right about that? That's yeah. correct. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. His comments coming as Barr uh, prepares to investigate how the Russia investigation began, something President Trump is pushing hard for, blasting the investigation today, saying it was started by haters and its origins do need to be investigated. What I'm most interested in is getting started. Hopefully the Attorney General, he mentioned it yesterday, he's doing a great job getting started on going back to the origins of exactly where this all started because this was an illegal witch hunt and everybody knew it and they knew it too and they got caught and what they did was treason uh mr president uh, you should be ashamed of yourself (laughs) begging your pardon i'm not the president of anything but if you keep talking about this it'll make it about you and nobody from the other side of the aisle will be willing to take an honest look at whether the FBI was semi out of control or completely out of control. Why don't we just let Barr do his thing? Because yeah. you're not going to be able to get a single person left of Mitt Romney to admit wrongdoing. If indeed there was wrongdoing, and every single American shares an interest in the FBI not being out of control. NASA releasing a first-ever picture of a black hole. The picture revealing a bright halo of gas and dust tracing the outline of a monster black hole. The event horizon, Marshall. The event horizon. Yes, the old EH. You pass the EH, you're, you're, tell you what, you're SOL. (laughs) Huh? Suck you right in, squash as flat as a bug, or shoot you out the other side into another dimension. <laughs> I, I think it is, I believe the term is spaghettification. Right. Is what would happen? You'd kind of get elongated, and uh, and yeah, your, your atoms would do weird, weird stuff. But in all honesty, when I yeah. try to read about black holes and all that sort of stuff, I get I get lost very quickly when it starts getting into gravity and time travel and a variety of different right. things. Wormholes. Yeah. Yeah. Gravity's so powerful that not even light can escape. Time slows down, and I don't, I don't, I don't just think. I just want to throw, like, a penny in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See if it just goes around and around. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Facebook is going to let the dead rest in peace. The social media giant says they'll no longer remind friends to send birthday mm. greetings to someone who's died. <laughs> we or... had one of those. One of my wife's best friends yeah. killed himself. Mm. And it, it was a terrible situation. And every year... On the anniversary of him hanging himself, oh, to get a Facebook reminder. Oh, boy. Well, thanks for that, Facebook. Oh, boy. Here's a picture of him to remind me. Oh, well, boy. Yeah, so, yeah, just let it go. Let relatives and other people do that sort of thing right. if, it, if it's a good idea. Not freaking Facebook. Good Lord. 
A 34-year-old professional sports gambler from Vegas won more than $110,000 on Jeopardy Tuesday, breaking the record for single-day cash winnings on the show. $4,400 off the one-day record, James. Okay, I'll try. Uh, and how much did you raise? 38314 A new one-day record, 110914 is it too soon to start thinking about Ken Jennings' comparisons? So what did he know? Chinese poetry of the 1300s, or what's his specialty? I don't know, but he's going to lose it all on the Pro Bowl next year. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent sports joke. Yeah, the sports gambler James <laughs> Holzhauer won. His total uh, take so far is now more than $244,000. If you're a successful sports bettor, you've got to be a data freak. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking for tiny changes in probability, and uh, yeah, that's that's a tough and way to make a living. And could you ask every uh, gambler getting kneecapped by the mob right now? <laughs> the amount of effort you'd have to put in to be good at it, if you put that much effort into just investing in the stock market, wouldn't you be guaranteed to do well? You'd think you'd do very well, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> I, I got to get get his name. The guy that was on 60 Minutes Sunday night, the investor, he's worth $11 billion. He's one of the best investors in the world. Mm. Anyway, they featured him on 60 Minutes. He said a lot of interesting things, but one thing that he does, um, they showed all the people that work for him uh, working on what should we invest in for how long, what do we recommend to people. They didn't have... They didn't have up to the second this or that. They were reading these long, uh, printed out papers about various companies. Is it Ray Dalio? Is yeah. that the guy's name? Yeah. They, they do old timey, slow. This is why this company is a solid company, is probably a good investment for the future. It's got nothing to do with what happened today or yesterday or this afternoon or in the next 15 minutes. That's like Buffett the, style. Like, sure. like the financial world leads you to believe is the way you invest. Mm it's just interesting that more people aren't aware of that. Right. Now you find really solid companies, and you invest in them, and then you wait. Right. you got two styles. you got Buffett style and Gangnam style. <laughs> and, uh, the what the market did this hour, the Dow's down five points, is of no use no. to anybody and is no relevance whatsoever to the rich. Well, the super rich people, the, the big investors like that, are not doing that. Well, it is useful to people who already know it. They're paying attention every second because they're trading on computers. The rest of it, it is uh, useful knowledge to nobody. That the Dow is down. All the time. You know, it's it's midday and it's down X or up by X. It just doesn't matter. You hear it all the time. And and a lot of my favorite shows and favorite hosts do it. Dow uh, finished down twenty five today on news that, and then they make up a reason. Yeah, <laughs> right. like I said, but that might be the reason, or it might not be. Right. right. And it doesn't make any difference anyway. Yeah. It's very much like a major league pitcher watching TV to find out the counts two and one. I mean, he knows already. He's the only one involved second to second. He knows. There are no day traders who are waiting for CNN top of the hour to tell them how the market's doing. His big thing, though, um, was uh, income inequality is going to lead to civil violence. It could. Revolting in the streets. Yep. And we need to head that off. I don't want that either. Stay tuned to the arms. <laughs> the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to a new report, Earth's glaciers have lost 9 trillion metric tons of ice between 1961 and 2016. Said other glaciers, oh my God, you look amazing. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, that's funny. We can all join together and laugh, Jack. Got a guy here in England, 61 years old. Arrested twice in 24 hours for pleasuring himself in front of horses. He's got a long history of doing this throughout his life. In front of horses? Twice in 24 hours, though. He got arrested. I would think being arrested would be enough of a turn. That's kind of a... And pain, and I got to sign this, and it's going to cost me that, and then I got a lawyer. Now everybody you know. knows. I've got to stop doing. I can't stop. Look at that horse! Wow, there is. There are so many different kinds yep. of crazy. Absolutely, that was really the main reason I brought it up. Is there so many different kinds of mental illness? Brought himself out. The horse is thinking. Am I supposed to be impressed by this? He was sitting on a park. I'm not. He was sitting on a park bench. A carriage came by, drawn by a horse. Right. He said, "I started feeling sexy, so I just started." He said, "I know I was doing something wrong, but I couldn't stop myself." He wow. said this out loud. He told the police that. Wow, you gotta pity a guy like that, right? He's I had mean, a, that's fruit loose. He had nine breaches of antisocial behavior. That's what they called it in England. Yeah, that's a good name for it. I would say you have breached social behavior. Mm. Um, uh, nine incidents before that, so now a total of 11. Then he got caught. How many times has he done where he didn't get caught? And, Michael, what do you always say? Nay means nay. Right. Exactly. Um, and on a more serious... He says, i got to stop this. i got to leave London. i got to move somewhere far away. I don't know, maybe Kentucky. That's what I'll do. <laughs> I'll move to Kentucky. Texas, Kentucky, someplace like that. Constantly trying to break into horse races. <laughs> oh, my God, what have I done? Moves to Lexington, Kentucky. I didn't think this through. <laughs> um, Dan Crenshaw blasts Ilan Omar's unbelievable description of 9-11. So Crenshaw is the guy with the eye patch that we know because of the whole Saturday Night Live thing. Right, yeah. Came to national prominence. Wounded vet, new congressman. Yeah, lost his Impressive eye in Afghanistan. Guy. A pleader for understanding and bipartisanship. The Minnesota freshman Muslim Democrat... Described the 9-11 terror attacks as some people did something. Now, I saw that in the quotes, and I thought, i got to see the whole quote. What did she say? In a speech last month at a fundraiser for CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, oh, ah. which we've talked about a lot. Yeah. They have terrorist ties. they got all kinds of problems. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, ties with the financiers of uh, radical Islam. Omar, the Democrat congresswoman, urged Muslim Americans to make people uncomfortable with their activism. And brought up the Al-Qaeda attacks that killed about 30,000 people in New York. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. So it's a, it is a fairly dismissive way of referring to 9-11. Yes. In front of a group that's got all kinds of problems. Uh, Crenshaw responded with, Ilan Omar isn't just anti-Semitic. She's anti-American. Nearly 3,000 Americans lost their lives to Islamic terrorists on 9-11, yet Omar diminishes it as some people did something. Democratic leaders need to condemn her brazen display of disrespect, wrote Crenshaw on Twitter. 
We are looking at her and uh, AOC and some of the uh, and who's the the other gal who's such a treat who called the president an MFer. Um, we're looking at them through a national lens. They're making a lot of noise, getting a lot of attention. I wonder if in in, in their own districts they get reelected. Oh, absolutely, not even close. You think they will get reelected? Yes. Wow. Well, yes. we'll see. I don't know. Well, certainly uh, AOC. I mean, that's not not even close. Um, but uh, I don't know anything about this Muslim woman's district. No, uh, it's it's thought by some political analysts that you know not many people show up for these elections, particularly in the midterm. And so, if you get some energy, you've get you've got a coalition that's excited. You got college kids or whatever, or you've got the Somali uh, immigrant community. You can get elected with very very few votes. I but forgot. Now to... that the spotlight's on that part of Minnesota, they're like, uh, "That's not us." So we'll see. I forgot that the uh, the guy that AOC beat was supposed to be Speaker of the House. He was their best candidate to run against Nancy Pelosi. Just like the Eric Cantor thing when he lost on the Republican side, he was one of the highest ranking Republicans. Yeah, he might be the speaker right now instead of Nancy Pelosi, but he lost thinking, well, you know, nobody's no, no Democrat's going to beat me. Mm-hmm. He, he ignored her, which, you know, is its own lesson, I guess. But you anywho, stay away from horses if you got that proclivity. Yeah, absolutely. That's good advice. Just avoid them. Uh, so uh, just you rem- avoid them. You remember uh, Saudi Arabia? They uh, they bumped off that journalist Jamal Khashoggi, and and everybody kept their hands off, and they had that big conference, and a bone bunch of people, saws, etc. Right, a bunch of people didn't show up to their big conference and shunned them, and the rest of it. Well, they just uh, they flocked back. Aramco, the big uh, Saudi oil company, was selling bonds and. Um, the world showed up, and they had uh, ten times as many orders as what they could fulfill. Everybody snapped up $12 billion in bonds and is more than willing to do business with them. So those shows of, of concern and morality are short-lived when, when there's money to be made. Although, interestingly enough, Saudi is having a harder time getting people to invest in their country and have long-term relationships because... The whole rule of law thing is a little shaky in Saudi Arabia. You got a contract with the old uh, MBS? Not sure exactly how that's going to go or if it'll be enforced or if you or your foreman will end up with a hand chopped off or, or kneeling in the desert as the guy swings a, a sword at you. No. So if you're the gentleman we were talking about earlier, you'd want to stay away. Guy? Yeah, you'd yeah. want to stay away from, uh, obviously, horse races. I'd stay away from parades. Dressage, um, which probably, I love. Probably fairs, carnivals. What about things like a merry-go-round? Like the statue? Does that uh, is that prob- getting going? Probably a little bit. Yeah. You just have to think think ahead. Stay away from these things. Oh yeah. Oh, say can you see? Final thoughts with A and G. Yeah, I probably ought to wear blinders. Yeah? <laughs> right. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Let's get a funnel thought out of everybody here. Michelangelo, lead us off, would you? Okay, I'm at a grocery store, and I witness a fender bender. Two cars back into each other. There's an old lady standing next to me. She looks over at me and goes, ha-ha, she got him. <laughs> People are strange. Wow. Hilarious. Yeah. Humanity. What are you going to do? Positive Sean, final thought? Yeah, I'm on day three of this new workout routine. I haven't quit yet, but it's uh, it's nothing fancy. But uh, the goal is at the end of each day to have done 
50 sit-ups, 50 squats, 50 push-ups. The eventual goal is to get that number up to 100, but wow. I'm, not, I'm not crazy That's yet. That's pretty impressive. But, uh, but yeah, so two days so nah, far. You no know gym membership? No, nah, no. Nah. you got to get a gym membership. No, you got to buy no. a bunch of workout gear. Prison style. I just tattoo my fingers and look in the mirror. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall Phillips, final thought. I gotta tell you, the vacuum cleaner I just bought may have actually been repackaged. I opened up the box. Some of the various parts were not in their plastic bags. Oh, no, you got scammed. And I can't find the instruction. No, book. no. So now I gotta put it back in a box. You can't figure out how to use a vacuum without an instruction book? Yeah. Uh, Surely you can. It makes me suspicious. You plug it well, in. Which and... side goes on the ground? Right. <laughs> figure out which end sucks and point that toward there, the dirt. There you go. Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? Michael's story reminds me. I was sitting waiting for my son to come out of school the other day, and I watched the guy back into somebody else. And then I watched him get out of his car, look, start to walk away, rethink it, trying to do the old, did I do enough damage? Should I leave right. a note? It was fun to watch. What's the harm? You know, we don't really have time for my final thought. My final thought is we sure do appreciate you folks listening. Thanks a million for being here. Pandering. Yeah, pandering is your final Gratitude. Gratitude isn't pandering. <laughs> See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. It's over for me. If the report indicates no collusion...